Welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland, and I was hoping that this would be a playoff preview for Holy Cow. Unfortunately, the uh, Cubs kind of fell apart, so this is more like a year-ending podcast. I'm not going away. We will have more as the offseason goes on with the various moves that are going to be made. Obviously, Joe Madden was the first move, and he and the Cubs parted ways the day the season ended, so, you know, that's going to be a new coaching search, so we're going to have a lot to talk about. Um, my guest today is Andy Banasek, who, she's a co-host of the Cup of Cubby Blue podcast with Sarah Sanchez, who has been on this uh, podcast before, and uh, we talk about Joe Madden being, you know, moving on from the Cubs, we talk about, you know, what happened at the end of the season, a little bit of a playoff preview. Um, I asked Andy about being married to a Cardinals fan, which she is, and they live in St. Louis, so she is firmly on enemy territory, so I talked to her about that, and overall it's a pretty fun episode, so here is Andy. Welcome back to, well, I guess I should say, this is our first uh, interview. We tried one before, but uh, it did not work out very good for the listeners at home a couple weeks ago. There's some audio issues, so we lost a call, but I'm going to try again. And again, welcome to Holy Kyle Cubs Podcast. Hello, hello. Yes, hi. So um, let's get into it. The season is over now. It did not go good for the Cubs. Very bad uh, last two weeks of the year, including a nine-game losing streak. And... I guess I'll just start out with that. We'll get to the big news after that after that had happened. But uh, what happened with the Cubs down the stretch here? Ugh, it was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. Um, I think the last uh, couple weeks of the season was basically the best snapshot of this team that you and most accurate, I might add, um, that you're going to find throughout the season. There was so many ups, so many downs, um, a lot of inconsistent baseball, a lot of inconsistent defense, pitching. I mean, it it just all the way around, and it just kind of all came together and and bit us in the butt at the end, and and that's that's what we ended up with. I will say that I – in order to find my silver lining in just about everything, I did find a silver lining in the fact that I thought it was good. We closed out the season the way that we did without any hope, if you will. And I know that sounds crazy, but um, if you think about it, the most change will come with an ending like that. So I think that's what needed to happen in order for us to get the ship back on track, if that makes sense. So I think we'll see a lot of changes, a lot of things moved around, a lot of parts tweaked, a lot of things enhanced. And in order for that to happen, I think we needed to have the ending that we had. Yeah, so kind of like, you know, forest fire cleans the forest, so new trees can grow type of thing. 
Yes, exactly, exactly. I don't imagine that they'll they'll burn it all down, but yeah, it, 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 you'll definitely see a lot of changes this off season. And I think it probably wouldn't have been as drastic if we would have ended up in the playoffs at some capacity, whether wild card or winning the division, I don't think it would have been as drastic. And honestly, I think at this point with all the pieces that failed us throughout the season, I think it probably makes the most sense to have a drastic overhaul. And I know that's not going to make people happy. It doesn't make me happy because we're probably going to say bye to a lot of, a lot of players that we have grown to love. But if we want to, have the mentality and have the happiness we had in 2016 again anytime soon it's got to be done all right so now we'll move on to the first of those many changes and that's it's not a firing because you know his contract was up but uh joe madden and theo epstein announced that they mutually agreed to part ways and joe madden's run as cubs manager is over so i thought i'd ask you how bummed are you by uh the departure of joe madden um, I'm taking this very hard. I'm not going to lie. I, um, this has been tough. This has been really tough. And it was kind of one of the things that I knew was coming when he didn't get some kind of extension offer in the off season last year. You just kind of know that any manager who is leading a club like the Chicago Cubs with the payroll they have, with the talent they have, and he comes into the final season of his contract on a lame duck type situation. You kind of just know that they're they're heading in the direction of parting ways. And as much as I thought I was prepared for it, I really wasn't because I really thought um, I could will a way for them to maybe give him another two years, something like that. And it just when the news dropped and and I read it, it I was just it was just utter shock. And I just really can't believe that it happened. It's going to be really hard to, to imagine Cubs baseball without Joe Madden in the dugout. It's just one of those things that we've become very spoiled as a fan base. And people aren't going to, to love the growing pains that we're going to have to endure, you know, with a new manager in the upcoming season. And, you know, it's going to be the same people that want Joe gone. But, you know, it's kind of one of those things where I just say, be careful what you wish for, because if you've been a Cubs fan for any amount of time, then you remember all the years of trying to find a manager that sticks, that makes sense, that has some success and can do some positive things. And Joe Mann did all of that in five years. And then to let him walk, I think, is a big mistake. Yeah. So obviously, and there obviously was tension between uh, Madden and Epstein, obviously, I mean, we saw many reports about it and stuff, but uh, you know, you do get the sense now that this is on the front office now. They have no one else that they can blame. I mean, Madden's gone, everyone else, they've had a lot of coaching turnover, so it really feels like this is on the front office now, and maybe it always was. Yeah, I mean, I definitely have my theories. I don't feel like Joe has um, been given the um, or was given, I think, for this season especially, if they're going to put the pressure on him to earn an extension of any sort, then they need to supply him with the proper tools to do that. And I just don't think that they did that for him this year. I feel like he was set up for failure to begin with. And, you know, just um, 
people, you read a lot and you hear a lot of people talk about how, you know, he's not very good at in-game decisions and, you know, he's made a lot of questionable calls as far as, you know, pulling a pitcher too soon or who's pinch hitting for who or a defensive replacement or whatever else. You know, I get all that. I do get that because that is his job. But the people that he is paid to manage need to do their jobs as well. The people that are paid to provide him with what he needs to be successful are paid to do their jobs as well. And I don't feel like anybody did their jobs this year um, as well as they could have. And unfortunately, Joe is going to be the scapegoat for all of them. So um, I wish him luck because you know he's on to bigger and better things and he's going to be successful at whatever he does. I just pray that that is not the opposing dugout against the Chicago Cubs in playoffs anytime in the near future. All right. Well, now I'm going to, um, Andy, I'm going to make you the Cubs GM for the day. So you've been promoted oh, to geez. GM of the Cubs, yes. So I'm going to ask you, what players would you really want to keep and what people do you want to say, you know what, thanks for being here, but go. Well, I'm going to start with the obvious because this is the easiest one. And definitely Addison Russell is gone the second my ink is to paper. Um, He should have been gone a long time ago. And anybody from the outside looking in, I hope and pray they feel the same way. And he is the first first one gone that someone goes into Theo and tells them this is this has got to go this has got to change because that situation I feel had a dark cloud over the Chicago Cubs organization since the day they made the decision to keep him on um and you know I, I I'm a firm believer in bad karma I mean I know that sounds crazy and people probably giggle at that but it's true I mean it's just you can't have somebody like that on your club and allow them to to wear your uniform um you know, and he gave us reason after reason the whole season to, to not trust him and not like him. You know, he'd make stupid mistakes and then blame it on something silly and not take any sort of um, blame for his mistakes, no, no accountability whatsoever. So he needs to go. That definitely is the first one to go. Um, as much as I value clubhouse and clubhouse mentality and leadership and somebody like a David Ross or Miguel Montero that in the clubhouse they're known for holding players accountable which is I guess a big um, a big part of why Daniel Descalzo is such a huge addition to this team I need him to produce offensively I need him to be rock solid defensively he is a utility player. He's somebody that is called on to do one or two innings of work, you know, maybe every third game. And when you can't do that, you are of no value to me. I can't have you in the clubhouse. So Descalza would have to go. It just pieces like that, I think are going to be so super easy. And I think it's going to be really unacceptable when we start to see, if we start to see pieces like that coming back in. So like for me, I haven't studied the, the free agent market a whole lot. I don't know what trades are out there. So as far as anybody big, you're not going to get that juicy stuff for me. (laughs) I apologize, but you're just not. Um, it's all about what you get in return. You know, if somebody is going to offer me two starting pitchers, a reliever, and maybe a second baseman for Chris Bryant, huh, I might listen to that. I know people are going to, people aren't going to want to hear that and probably call me crazy for that. But 
pitching is something we have to rebuild. We're going to have to start from the bottom up on that. We have to we have to look at adding pieces to both the bullpen and starting pitching. We have a lot of young pitching, but it's very raw. So I don't know how much of it's going to be ready to go at the major league level next year. Second base is an area that has got to be it's got to be sealed up, whether that's Nico Horner, whether that's Ian Happ, whatever. That's We have got to have somebody locked into that spot and be good and be consistently good. And we definitely need a leadoff. You know, that's that's been a problem, too. So these are all areas that I really hope they address head on. And don't wait for the market to to open up. I mean, start signing guys, start talking to these guys right away. Cause last year, the year before the free agent market was awful. These guys didn't get fair shakes that signed late because they didn't have a spring training. Now that's partly on them too, but, um, they didn't have a spring training. They didn't have any kind of regimen. They had no team to bond with in March or February, like most players do when they're signed at a reasonable hour. I mean, so if I'm GM, I'm signing guys in November and December. I want guys to, to know where they're going, know where they need to report in February. Like that's, that's gotta be a priority because this late in the market stuff, you know, that's for teams that don't have the second highest payroll in baseball. Yeah. And, and, you know, you got, you got to get the sense that Craig Kimbrell was, you know, a disaster this year. And you have to think if he'd been with the team from the start, he might not have been nearly as bad as he was. Oh, a hundred percent. An absolute hundred percent. I could not agree with that more. He did not, he was, I mean, he didn't do himself any favors either. He, he I believe was getting offers in the in the off season that he did not want to hear, which I understand. You you need to you need to be compensated fairly and and against what the market is doing. So I get that, but at the same time, you know everybody is everybody is watching us. You know they see our struggles. They know what's gonna. They know what we are gonna be wanting to do this off season. So if you think for a second, the price tag for a lot of these guys like that we're going to want to sign didn't go up a little bit because they know they can ask from us and they'll probably get it. You're, you know, you're crazy. That's, that's something that we have to pay attention to. So Kimbrell was, you know, as far as looking out for himself, yes. But if he's a true competitor and he wants to put his top grade a product on the field, then he will get to work this off season and he'll come back next year with a chip on his shoulder and ready to go. Cause obviously that's not the Kimbrel that we, we were hoping we signed when, when we did it, you know, mid season. All right. So now we'll move on to the unpleasant subject. I don't want to talk about, but uh, we kind of have to, the Cardinals and the Brewers made the playoffs. Yuck. So obviously we want both of them not to make it. But um, if you had a choice, which one? I'm giving you the choice to get rid of one of the teams, Cardinals or the Brewers. You can eliminate them right away. Which oh, one man. would you pick? So one or the other. I can't do both. You can't do both. Okay. Well, let's see. Um, and St. Louis plays Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think St. Louis stands a chance against Atlanta. I don't think um, – but I also don't think Milwaukee is going to be able to beat Max Scherzer. Um, I, I would I would like to see the Cardinals eliminated. I think um, I don't think that's probably a huge surprise to too many people. I mean, I live in St. Louis, so it, it would make my life a little bit easier if I didn't have to hear continued um, playoff celebrations in my face all the time. And 
a lot of these same people are still riding the high from the Stanley Cup coming to St. Louis this year for the first time ever. So it's just nauseating all the way around. So I would be a okay with the Cardinals being eliminated from the playoffs ASAP. Yeah, no, so on our failed podcast earlier, we talked about this, but one of those nauseating fans that's in your face is your husband. Yeah. Who is a Cardinals <laughs> fan. He's he's not bad. He's not bad. He knows what I deal with, so he goes a little easy on me. We do not, however, watch um, when the Cubs play the Cardinals. We do not watch in the same room. And if we go to the game, we sit on opposite ends of our children. So I'll sit on one end and he'll sit on the other end. And it's just safer that way for everybody. <laughs> yes. So now this year when they're in the playoffs and the Cubs aren't, I guess, will you be happy for him if they win or no? No deal. Well, yes. When I'm around him, yes. I, of course, want him to be happy in whatever team he's rooting for. Yes. I, I, it's hard to say that, but yes, I, I, would, I always want to see my husband happy, obviously. But the good news is he's a Bears fan now. So we have that in common. So I focus more on that than I do on him cheering for the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, I think he has listened to me talk enough and has – has taken bits and pieces of what I say about um, the Cardinals team this year. And he, I think, is well aware of the fact that they are not a team that is built for any kind of longevity in October. So he's very well aware of the fact that it's probably not going to be a long playoff season for him. Um, but, you know, he's also he, he, he also understands my pain, too, and, and knows that how disappointed and, and upset and sad I am usually with the first couple weeks after baseball's over. And this year is a little sooner than what we had gotten used to. So, you know, he's not quite as nauseating as some of the other people I deal with because, you know, he's just been around me long enough to know that, it, you know, it, it's – it's hard on me. So it, it's nice that he appreciates that and, and understands that. But, yeah, I really don't want the Cardinals to win. <laughs> yeah. Well, unfortunately, I was going to say you were saying they don't really have much of a chance, but that's also what people were saying about the Blues. So that I know. I know. Ugh, I know. Anyway, since you brought it up, Aubrey, the Bears, how are you feeling about the Bears so far? Um, Their defense is, is, is scary. I mean – you know, I love how everyone said this whole regression thing coming into this season. And, you know, you kind of feel that way when you see the defense that they had last year. They had, there's no way they could get better, right? They had to regress. And especially with losing Vic Fangio, well, I, I, honestly can say that I feel like they've gotten better. And, you know, they just, they look scary. And especially on Sunday, they're missing six starters, not just six starters, six key starters three big defensive names that you're missing and they still had six sacks you know I mean and the Vikings defense is is legit and you know our backup quarterback uh Chase Daniel went out there and threw a touchdown within like his first four plays so it was it's pretty refreshing to see them do well especially after the game that you feel like they should have won uh, losing to Green Bay so hopefully we can we can pay them back later in the season but I really love how they look I love um, if we can keep this offense at least just halfway putting some points on the board I really think that uh, they have a good chance of going far this year as long as we can keep 
keep Mitch healthy. We'll see. I don't know. I mean, a lot of crazy stuff's coming out of Chicago today, so we'll see what happens. But they look great as far as I'm concerned. Their defense is, is good enough to get them to the, to the Super Bowl this year as far as I'm concerned. All right. Well, then I'll ask one more question. Uh, do you have any postseason predictions for baseball? Is there a team you're feeling is going to make it, or is there a team that you want to make it? I, I really am loving and appreciating Atlanta and what they've done this year. Um, they were a team that, uh, I mean, everybody saw them kind of progressively getting better over the past couple of years and knew they were headed in a direction of being a legit contender. And, you know, I don't find, I know there's a lot of people in St. Louis that find their fan base annoying. Um, same can be said about a lot a lot of fan bases. I don't have a problem with them. I really actually appreciate Atlanta. A lot of good um, a lot of good players that I appreciate. Jason Hayward is one started in Atlanta, and you know there's a lot of history there. Atlanta is a very very um, old and established club, so it's kind of one of those things where, as a baseball fan, I can definitely get on board with cheering for Atlanta. And I'm also kind of an underdog lover, um, and I feel like. Everyone has just got the Dodgers as a shoe in And I'm like, do you people have amnesia? Like, do you not remember how it goes in the playoffs for the Dodgers? So, um, you know, I really – Houston is amazing, obviously. Houston is very good. They're going to be tough to beat. But I love – I would love to see an Atlanta-Houston World Series. I think those teams are kind of similar, and I think it would just be amazing baseball. I would actually watch that. Um it's going to be hard to watch it if there's very many other teams involved. Like, any teams from the Central, I, I really can't watch. I might watch some here and there. The Dodgers, I probably won't watch. It just it, Atlanta makes for good baseball, as far as I'm concerned, and I, I would definitely root for them. Yeah. I kind of, personally, I kind of like the A's. Maybe it's like a Moneyball thing, but I always, because I like that movie so much, but I always kind of go for the A's. I don't mind the Twins. They're okay. Um... I have a friend who's a Nationals fan, so I don't mind if they do good. But, yeah, what I'm worried about is that we're going to get Dodgers-Astros again, and I really don't want to see that again. Yeah, no, that that would that's a snooze fest right there. Yeah, that's that's forcing me to to, to start studying back up on the NBA, and I've kind of kind of given up on them right now. Yeah. All right, <laughs> so I'll, um, we'll close. I'll let you um, uh, plug your own podcast. Cup of Cubby Blue. Yes, so I do Cup of Cubby Blue with Sarah Sanchez, and we're the SB Nation um, podcast for the Chicago Cubs. And actually, we just recorded uh, tonight, so we'll have a new episode up tomorrow. We are going to, we just announced it tonight, we are going to stay recording in the offseason. Um, we hadn't really discussed that, but we decided we would. Um, basically, it's just if you've ever sat by somebody at a baseball game and they are like annoyingly talking stats and baseball the entire time. That's like me and Sarah. So like, that's how we became friends. We sat next to each other at a baseball game a couple years back and completely hit it off our banter. Like people actually like stopped what they were doing and listened to us. Um, she's kind of the numbers girl. I'm more of a like color analyst, if you will. Um, 
it, it just it, it works well and, and we we have a lot of fun and talk a lot of baseball and you know you you get to hear a lot of different opinions about um, all aspects of baseball and it's only about 30 to 40 minutes each episode so and it goes quick 20 minutes break 20 minutes so um, if you can check it out give us a listen um, we're on basically any platform that you can find podcasts on we're on it so just search for cup of cubby blue Right, and uh, people want to follow you on Twitter. Where would they do that? I yes, it's so funny that when people ask me this because I never give off my own handle. So like all the podcasts I've ever done, everybody always gives off my handle for me. So I'm like, I have to stop and think. It's like asking me my kids' birthdays. <laughs> um, okay, so my handle is at Briz B R Y Z underscore Blue B L U E. So that's my handle on Twitter, and you can also find me by my full name, Andy Cruz Vianasek. Yep. All right. Well. Thank you for coming on, and I think this one is going pretty good, and I think it's recording, so everyone should be able to listen to this, and thank you for coming on. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for having me. I'm glad that one finally worked. <laughs> As uh, Andy said, she's at Briz underscore Blue on Twitter. I am, of course, STH85 on Twitter. If you have any questions for me, uh, tweet at me, or you can email holycowpod at gmail.com you can subscribe to the podcast on the Apple Podcast store and you can also do it on Spotify if that's easier for you and until the next episode thank you for listening